0: Father, we thank you, Lord, for this special time you get us to come intercede for one another at the altar, Father, and just lay our burdens down here, Father. And we pray, Father, and thank you already for taking our burdens, Father, and just align your will, Father, that ours may, that our will, Father, may be aligned with yours, Father. We give you all the praise and all the glory, Father. We pray for those here who our hearts are broken you'll mend them, Father, for all the power is yours, Father. All the earth and the fullness thereof is yours, Father, the Lord of hosts. You are our God, and you are our healer. So we pray for everyone represented here today and the families of those. We pray for our country. Father, our country, we look back to you once again as one God. and Father, one body, those who are in Christ Jesus, the Christians, one nation under God that you may be with in our decisions and discernment, Father. Give us the discernment we need to be Christian soldiers for you. Be with our president, our military personnel, Father. Protect them, heads them. Give them discernment. Give them protection in the war. They're fighting for our country. Be with our students who are graduating this month, Father. Just give them discernment on what job positions to go into, Father. Give them extra help and of encouragement, Father. And we know, Father, you're over all the economics, Father. We know that you'll... T- be in charge, Father, with the gas prices, rise or fall, you're still in charge of all things. So we put our trust in you, Father. Be the pastors all over the world today. Ensure them, Father, be the, the ministers of the flock you sent them to be, Father, and empower them to preach the gospel with authority and the fullness thereof, Father. Be of the lost today, Father. Pray for the lost so they may find salvation only in your son, Father. That's the only place they will find it. But today is the acceptable day of the Lord. and Today is the day of salvation. We pray for them, Father, salvation for them, that all the tragedies in this world that happened just, just this week, Father, and last week, the earthquakes, the cyclones, everything, Father, that's in nature, you control these things, Father. Now these people have been shaken, let the missionaries, Father, go to work with them, Father, and bring them closer to your side. They may leave their false religion and come to the true religion, Father, come to the true heart, the true mountain of Zion, to be the Lord, their God the one who created them, and turned to you, Father. Give our missionaries super boldness, Father, as they present the gospel to them. And all the earth and all of God's people today praise you, Father, for you alone are head above all, and all things are yours, Father. If we lay this into your lap, all of our fears and doubts and all of our things that we don't even understand, Father, you already know full fold, we place this in your hands, and you will guide us, Father, and direct our paths and provide for us each day. For everything comes from you, Father, every gift and every perfect gift. And, Father, every prayer is answered today. And we praise you for you are, we are fearfully and wonderfully made in your image, Father. We give all praise back to you, our mighty God. In Jesus Christ, our Lord, amen. But I turn your books, uh, your bowels this morning to Matthew, Gospel of Matthew I'll be preaching from. And uh, especially uh, Matthew 4, chapter 4. There's a special message here that I I received from the Lord this week, and it's a message we all need to hear, and it's a message that really sweetens the cake as far as I'm concerned. puts the icing on the cake um, from what you learned this morning. Um, It has to do with the beginning of Jesus' ministry after he was tempted in the wilderness. Of course, we know he won over Satan, and he's now been ministered by angels, and he's in full power of God's Holy Spirit. He's walking in the full power of his majesty. And nothing's getting in his way. He set his face towards Jerusalem, in other words. He is, nothing is going to get in his way until that final day when he said the hour would come. But in uh, chapter 4, I'm going to start here about verse 12. Now, when Jesus had heard that John was cast into prison, he departed into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he came and dwelt in Capernaum, which is upon the seacoast, the borders of Zebulun and Nathanael. They might be fulfilled which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet, saying, The land of Zebedon, and the, and the way, or the land of Nephilim, by the way of the sea, beyond the Jordan, Galilee, of the Gentiles. And of course, we can praise him today because he left the, the Jewish communities and came to the way of the sea. That's, that's where the Gentiles were, uh, which meant the gospel came to us. This verse 16 here tells about us. The people which sat in darkness saw a great light, and to them which sat in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. From that time, Jesus began to preach and say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why do you think Jesus went into Galilee when John the Baptist went in prison? Why didn't he, go this re- why didn't he just go to prison and release John from prison and... Just kill everybody there. We had John in prison. Because so see, you know what? John knew the the word of the prophets, right? John knew what the prophets foretold. He was the way he was the one prepared the way for the Messiah. His mission was complete, folks. And John knew full well that Jesus must increase and he had to decrease. And John knew it was coming. And Jesus knew it was coming. And so he could have went and released him. Jesus had all the power in the world. He could have killed every soldier around John, brought him out of the dungeon. But he knew that John was in there preaching his lungs and heart out, even in the dungeon. See, we got, we, in, the, in, the, in the actual original story that Josephus writes, which he was a Jewish writer back in those days. He wrote mass volumes of scripture about John the Baptist and Jesus Christ himself. So we know we have a secular viewpoint that there was Jesus. He was a Messiah. And these are folks who don't even believe in Jesus as Savior. But I knew there was a Jesus. I knew he lived Those 33 years he ministered to people all over the world, healed people, raised people from the dead. There's a perfect account in a secular book. Josephus is one of those people who made an account of that. Josephus lived in his time. Josephus writes in one of his books that the king had struck up the band three times its normal playing uh, altitude, which meant he had the drums play louder and his horns play louder. And he had everything while John was in, in the dungeon getting his head chopped off. And until he de- beheaded John the Baptist, they said that he couldn't strike the band up loud enough to overturn John's voice. Now, John was a shout from the wilderness. John was one of these guys that he was a, he was a fire and brimstone preacher. He feared no man. John the Baptist wore that white camel-haired jacket and that big old belt around him. And he, was like a, he was like an old-time prophet of God. And he, and he preached conviction, he preached, "You better repent of your sins, you heathen, you vipers who love to do harm to people." And he preached that and he, and he, and he said and, and but the miracle part miraculous part of that Jesus knew that John was preaching that last sermon and John's voice was so magnified they couldn't snuff him out and so folks got saved there by the preaching of the gospel. their hearts were the warmth of their hearts were weakened. So one day they'd be receptive to the gospel until they beheaded John, he was the voice. And now we see that Jesus became the voice. See, John preached, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus preached the same thing, folks. He just took the baton from the prophet and started preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand, but with an extra bonus here, see. You can repent, but don't worry, you're truly going to repent. When I shed my blood for you and die for you, and you'll truly repent, and then you'll give, then you'll be anointed with what fire from heaven. John baptized you with water, I'm gonna baptize you with fire. I'm the Messiah, I am the I am, creator of all the heaven and earth and universe. Nothing was made without me. So he's pointing to himself. John pointed to Jesus, and Jesus said, The man that he talked about is here with you now, it's me. And so now Jesus takes over the full ministry. And Jesus, walking by the sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting an net into the sea. For they were fishers, see? They were fishers of fish. And that, that was their profession. They were fishermen. And I'll tell you, I love everything there is about the fishing ministry. And I love everything there is about the fishing industry. I love everything there is about fishing for fish. And I love everything there is to do about eating fish. And everything that goes into that I like. But to be alive when Jesus called you, it would have to be a special, special calling. And actually, seeing the seeing these men that Jesus had probably walked seen before many times, they were fishermen. And Jesus walks by the Sea of Galilee and he sees them, Simon and Peter, Simon and uh, Peter and Andrea's brother, casting net to the sea, and he said to them, Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. You no longer be fishermen but you'll be fishers of men. Now, folks, every born-again Christian is a fisher of men. Now, we might not like to fish or we might have anything to do with fishing, but we are fishers of men because God has placed it in our heart that we'll testify of him wherever we go. If we love Jesus, we're going to tell somebody about him, okay? If we love Jesus, we're going to stand for what Jesus stood for. If we love Jesus, we're going to be his disciples. We're going to teach men his works and live by an example to bring men to him. Now, when he says fishers are men, it means you're going to catch them. I'm going to clean them, okay? But we don't have to get a person to a certain stance in society to bring them into Jesus. He said, you go out, you cast a net, and you drag them in. And you drag them in, I'm going to clean them up. So I sent a church sign that said, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Guess what? Our sign will always say, no shoes, no shirt, no problem. Come on in. We'll suit you up. We'll get you right with the Lord, okay? You just come in as you are and worship Jesus. Our, our doors are open, and he'll clean you up. See, no church has ever had a sign out there saying, no, you come in here no matter where you're at. It tells the folks you're not welcome, okay? Come as you are, and we'll seat you you. We got plenty, okay? But Jesus said, called them. As soon as he called them, they straightway left their nets and followed him. And this shows a, a confidence in Jesus from the heart. They left their nets, and I can just see them leaving them and, and, uh, and going on then to uh, James and John, the sons of thunder, and he calls them from and they leave their dad. Dad is hanging there with the nets, all these nets laying around, and they take off and follow Jesus. And it says, And going on from there, he saw two other brethren, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were in the ship with Zebedee, their father mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the ship and their father and followed him. Now, we, what they called ships back then was a the big boat, actually. It was probably uh, the Apostle Paul's days when he made the... When they made nets, they either were uh, cast nets, or some they did pull behind the boat. Some of them had sails. Some were 80 feet long, so they may have called a ship a boat from 60 to 80 feet long, and a smaller boat was one that they carried along beside it. But... Uh, that gives you kind of an idea when Jesus said let down that net for a big catch. He's talking about the trolling net in the back. He filled that whole trolling net with fish. So if you see some see them shrimpers out in the bay getting those shrimp, they had a little net that went behind the boat that got fish like that. And he filled that net up with 210 big old fish. Not counting a little bit, it was big fish. But they immediately left the ship and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee teaching in the synagogues, and preaching the gospel of the kingdom, in healing all manner of sickness, all manner of disease among the people. They didn't say anything about Jesus got permission from the main rabbi or the main priest or the synagogue. He just went in there and started preaching. These are the same men that Jesus preached to when he was 12 years old, folks, and he knew more than they knew. These guys have been rabbis for some of them 50, 60, 70 years. And Jesus knew the word better than him. It astonished him. He knew the word as well as he knew the word. See? So, yeah, they're not going to turn him away from their sin of God. Sure, come on in. We got a great evangelist. Come on in. You know? So he came in and preached the word of God. But look what else he did. For the first time ever, we see healing. And all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people, he healed each one of them, folks. This has been something that, that's never happened in the church. See, these people in the big synagogues would not even be welcomed into the synagogue before Jesus came. They had to sway outside and sit outside because they were unclean. They were never welcome in the church. Jesus took the church doors wide open, busted them wide open, and said, come in, all you people, all you dirty, heathen Gentiles, all the ones who are lame, got sores all up and down in your hair and down your back and your face, all you who are lame, all you misfigured people. All you people who are hurting, who are out there looking for the Messiah and haven't found him yet, I am he, come. Whatever healing you need, emotional, physical, say, spiritual healing, come to me. All you demon-possessed lunatics, you maniacs, come in here. He said, you axe murderers, come in here. Boy, can you imagine the rabbis then are really starching their collars. Whoa, who just invited that guy Look, that guy's been living out there in the ditch begging for people for 40 years. Jesus invited him into the church. Hey, kick your sandals off there. Jesus didn't say, said, come. He opened that house out for healing and prayer, see. And it astonished the people in the land. I'm sure it astonished all the priests and the, and the, the, the whole tribe of Levi, probably. But Jesus said, come on in. Today, you're going to see what this house was built for originally. Come get healed. Come get salvation. Come be healed from your infirmities. Leave here with a cleansed mind. All of you who have been depressed for 20, 30 years, have been demon possessed. Come here. I'm going to take care of you. Leave here with a cleansed mind, completely healed, and shouting Hosanna when you leave the door. And, folks, that stirred some hearts of men there. That's, that shook the world right there. And going on from there, he says he went all along the region. And he came throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers, diseases, and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those which were, had the palsy, and he healed them. And after he healed them, guess what they want to do when they healed them? They not want to follow him. They didn't want to leave his side. Would you want to leave somebody who just heals you after you had cerebral palsy for 40 years? Now you can perfectly talk and perfectly walk, and you can run and jump and shout Hosanna. You ain't going to leave that person. He had literally, folks, of, of vast crowds of 30,000 people just following him and up the hillside, down the valleys, along the river, along the sea. 30,000 became 40,000, became 50,000. I mean, Jesus was, went through like a tidal wave, and, just, and the hill just cleansed, and people just ran to him. And they brought people in to him for healing. And they're following him a great multitudes of people from Galilee, from Decapolis, from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. We need to understand here that is that John points to Jesus here is he must increase. John knew that he was going to increase because he's the Lamb of God. And John knew that he must decrease, fall away, because John had disciples too. See? And John knew that his disciples were going to have to follow Jesus. So, John had a decrease. John knew it was time. See, both of, these, both of these individuals knew that their time had come. So, John pointed to Jesus. And the people who were set in darkness saw a great light. Verse 16. It's the pinnacle verse of Scripture. And then, was set in the region in the shadow of death, light has sprung up. Boy, what a wonderful thing, folks. When you see someone who's been living in depression and oppression and possession. That's total darkness, folks. We used to have a what we called it. We used to call it, We had a quiet room. A quiet room is not like a little room in the attic somewhere. You go and play a little little grand piano for a while, listen to a music box. A quiet room we had was dark, and you couldn't even see your hand in front of your face. Had four foot thick concrete walls with big super pads on them, like you see these pads you tumble on. The whole wall was wrapped in those pads, and you played someone in there that was gone nuts. Okay. Now you put them in that room and set them on that mat. But if they got to jumping around there, we had a we had a bed. If they tried to escape that room or kick the door down or whatever, we had a bed in there. We'd put someone in five point restraints, a strap across five parts of their body, and you tied them down in that bed. And wearing those cuffs and their legs and across their body, they shut the lights off on them. It's total dark. You cannot see your hand in front of your face. There's a thick film over the glass door there, and you close it. When you close it, it shuts off all light. Now to me, it's a pretty drastic thing to do to somebody. So I would volunteer going to go on and sit with them. Now you're sitting there with a six foot six, three hundred pound man who's coming off of cocaine. He's ready to kill anybody inside to get cocaine. And you and you tell him you're in total darkness with this guy. He's not restraint yet. You're just sitting on the mat with him. Okay? <laughs> he's not restrained. He's saying, man, I got to have a fix now. Man, I got $20,000. I'll give you $20,000 if you go up and get any, anything out of the nursery station. See? And he's just getting more excited as he, as he goes. And you're on one-to-one with him. You can't leave. But see what I could do? I could crack that. I had a key. I could crack that door and tell them, if you just sit there, I'll put some light there. One of the things they're scared of is total darkness. And crack that door enough where we had light. We could see each other. We could see each other's face. We could converse with each other. And I want you to know right now, man, you think men are strong? You get a woman who's really wound up, she'll be on you like a bobcat. You can't get her off of you. You get two women tangled up fighting, it's hard to separate them. I mean, that women can go. She can, they can climb walls. I had to sit on a woman one time, and, and she did sit-ups with me. I was just putting her down on the bed to tie her down, and she was sitting up with me sitting on her chest. She was doing the sit-up with this 300-pound man on her. And I just finally gave up, so just let her sit there. I mean, she that got that kind of strength. As long as she ain't hurt nobody, well, just talk, don't restrain her, see? But I'd get in there, and I'd read the Word. I kept me a little Bible, This little pocket Bible with my, in my, right here in my jacket or my britches all the time. I'd pull it out and start reading the scripture. And that one time, it never failed, ever, ever failed. The person was in there for some kind of emotional problem or some kind of a illness they had or some kind of drug problem. The word of God I always calmed them down, no matter who it was. The word of God would calm them down. See, I worked with about three nurses that were good, solid Christian women. And so at night time, where most of these people came in at night after the midnight hour, between one and two and three in the morning, then I had this access. So I could because the nurses would come, to me, I was able to get, minister to them in God's word with God's word. And a lot of them said the Lord Jesus right there in that dark room. See, and their lives were changed immediately. The nurses said so I could tell their continents already changed when they come out of there. So God used me as that vessel. See. I wasn't scared. I wasn't scared to sit in the dark. I, I never was scared to sitting in the dark. I knew my Lord was with me always wherever I go. See? Now, I worried about a couple kinds. I worried about somebody uh, carrying something in there with them, but they didn't search them. They just told me to give things that they had to them. So I had people. One guy gave me a 40, a 45 revolver after he got in the hospital. You probably need this. Yeah, I probably do. You know? And, I mean, they didn't search. They did no strip search or search of them, you know. They were supposed to just take everything out. Oh, y'all forgot about this down here in my sock and pull this gun out. Thank you for giving that to me because I would not want to go in seclusion room where well, you're wound up shooting holes in the walls. But the fact is that they were in darkness. And when light came into their life, the light of the gospel, and the Holy Spirit illuminated the man, that's the light going off in their dark head. They start saying, you know, this sin thing, he keeps talking about this sin thing. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And I have sinned against God. Now I ain't got sin against you or sin against myself, but I've sinned against the Almighty God. And I need to be made right with Him for I can have happiness and joy. And this thing goes off in their head and they and they bring it from head to their heart. And folks, when they do that, their battle's won already. They're being overcomers of the Word, by the Word, through the Word, to Jesus Christ right then. They may take several years for them to come completely out of that addiction or completely out of that emotional problem. They may carry some of that emotional problem all their life, but they have got the best part of their whipped. Because they got the master, not only of the sea, the master of people's hearts and souls and minds on their side. Say, God is on their side. And with God, all things are what? possible all things are possible there's a story about a psychiatrist this man had a good friend of his that he dealt with this man and he was a man of the, he was a man of the Lord he dealt with this man as a Christian counselor for 20 years over his depression this man had a phobia where he couldn't go outside his house He heard about people who had to get locked in their house and lock all the doors and windows and they stay right there and they don't ever go out they're afraid to go out in the public well, this man had that phobia, and the psychiatrist—he would call the psychiatrist every night about twelve o'clock midnight. And he'd say, "Oh, man, I'm so lonely." He said, "It's just him, live by himself." And he said, "I'm so lonely." And so the psychiatrist spent two or three hours at a time on the phone with this man. And and after a while, that man's disease rubbed off on him, and the psychiatrist started staying inside, not going. It's like it reversed itself, right? And started working. On, so he didn't want to go out. And do anything. Well, finally, his son, I don't know if y'all remember uh, Billy Sunday. Anybody remember Billy Sunday? The great evangelist, Billy Sunday. Y'all remember him? The great, great preacher came to town. This man, the psychiatrist's son, invited him to a revival. He went and heard Billy Sunday preach. Got saved now. Thought he was saved, but he got saved that night. Went home. Got home. He said he went out with his son. ate supper and celebrated. Had a good time. Got home. That man called him. And he called him at 12 o'clock. He said, "A good friend has called." Said, "Oh, I'm depressed. I'm alone. I got everything locked up." And he said, "I'll be right over. Unlock your house. Lock yourself outside the house, and I'll be right over. We're going witnessing." And the man said, "You got to be joking. It's midnight. There's all kinds of thieves and robbers out there just waiting on us." He said, "But I got something to tell you, buddy. You no longer ever have to be scared." ever again so he went out and ministered to his friend and warned him to Christ and Billy said he said those two guys one Methodist, one Baptist turned the whole city of Chicago around folks in three months he said they had more people to crusade in Chicago than they've ever seen in the world history because two men who were alone in the darkness received light the healing light of God in their lives and they literally turned this city upside down for Christ Jesus. One of them passed away now, the psychiatrist. The other man is still very vibrant in the big church church in Chicago. And the Chicago Tribune even wrote him a, a letter about him that that uh that Billy Sunday used in his sermon. A man that was set on fire for Jesus. And he actually was. He so said he would go before the crusades, and he'd always go late at night, because they said that's when he was. Used to be the most scary. Ain't scared of nothing now. Goes into the streets. Ministers to people. Brings people in to shelters. Christian counseling for them. And goes out and prays Invites them to, the, to every revival they have. Weeks before. He goes out and canvasses the neighborhoods. He's one of the most uh, powerful men in persuasion of the gospel in Chicago. Now, he's about 80 years old now. And he still goes out. He don't have his buddy with him anymore. He said he has the right one, his best friend, the Lord. And he still ministers ministers of people, folks, every chance he gets. And through one through one man, had enough faith in God to step out in faith and reach another man for God. They became a, a powerhouse for Jesus. And today, and now today, Chicago's been restored, reconciled to God because of two men and their faith. And now they've taught and wrote books and everything. And uh, Billy Sonny's gone to bit the Lord now, too. But, folks, just just listen to me now. They're given one opportunity to do something with it. They can say, well, no, we'll sit inside. We'll keep the doors locked. We're safe here. And thousands of people would have never known the Lord as Savior. They said, no, you know, because God's Word says, I'm an overcomer by the word of my testimony, the word of my mouth. I'm overcoming the world because Jesus overcame the world. I'm more than a conqueror because Jesus is more than a conqueror. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. So I'm not going to be scared anymore. I'm not going to be scared of anything. Because what can man take my life? But i got eternal home with Jesus. So I ain't scared of nothing. So I'm going to go out and present the gospel. What can I say? Anything, the worst thing can happen to me is somebody say, No, I don't want to hear that. And i go to another house. See? But I took an extra step in faith. It's like we took this morning, come to altar and pray for someone. An extra step of faith, and God lit the fire, folks, to that request. And that request bound and bound and super bounding and super bounding until thousands of folks were saved. Now, see, one opportunity, we've had several thousand opportunities in our lifetime. Some we've used to glorify God, and he uses to minister to people. Some we have just let by the wayside. But God does says this, if you're willing to take one verse of Scripture and mail this to someone in a postcard that costs 40 cents, tell them you're praying for them and the Lord loves them, that word will not come back void. You've witnessed to that person. And God will take that and water that and make it grow and increase in their life. So how hard is it, is it to witness, folks? Now, to me, I'm a one-on-one man. I can go to the people and say, do you know the Lord is Savior? You can know today. Let's do it. But, I, but a lot of people can't do that. They feel very nervous about that. But you can pick up a phone, and you can send a postcard out, and you can pray for someone they're not even knowing it. You can pray for the Holy Spirit to reveal and convict the mind of the sinner, the lost person. He will sick them, people. He's waiting on us actually to ask him to do that. He said, yes, I'm, I'm more than willing to do that. i want on somebody to pray and say, go sicken them, see, because I want to sick them. I want to put conviction in your heart. I want to let them know there's a creator who loves them. They don't have to die and spend eternity in hell. That I have care for them. I know someone who can heal them. And they're a perfect healing. And only in him can they be healed. Amen? And that's what he's saying today. If we all can be used to glorify God. And he uses all the vessels. But see, at an opportune time, which we all have opportunities all the time, and some we think, man, I didn't. That nodded there, I don't think I got, even got into the pastor's her sweat, you know. But, yeah, because God's Word promises it doesn't come back void. Now, that one, that one uh, lady that worked with me that's atheist, she ain't an atheist no more. But that's all I got with her. She's not an atheist no more. I planted a seed. I told her God's Word. I didn't tell her things I used to do or things I used to do worse than that or compare anything. I just told her God's Word, what God's Word says. And guess what? She got fired from the job for cussing the customer out. And she's gone, but she ain't atheist. That's a big step, folks. Her mom named her Bethany because that means house of God, and her mom's a Christian. So her mom's praying to her. Her mom gets on her knees every night and pray for her. And she said, I used to laugh at her. She on her knees at night and pray for me out loud, and I'd laugh at her and scorn her and cuss her and cuss her God. And I said, Hey. What are you getting mad about? You said there ain't no God. <laughs> are you believing in God now? You're cursing God means you believe in Him. That's a big step. See, so now God's working in their life. He's working in their life. He already has. So don't give up on those people you think that, hey, man, there ain't no hope. That guy's just, he's a precious oxygen. Somebody else should be breathing. God is going to go ahead and take him out. You know? Don't give up on them like that because, hey, Jesus didn't give up on us like that. Right. Praise God. We didn't have the patience of Christ Jesus, the patience of the Lord. He didn't give up on any of us. And just minister to them in their faith and, and thanking God that his word doesn't come back void. It's always rebuking, always drawing people to God, convicting them of sin like the Holy Spirit does. And don't be afraid to seek the Holy Spirit on someone. When I tell you, if you come to me and say, Brother Dale, you pray for me and pray for my family, I have a son that's living with a woman, and they're committing adultery every night. I'll say, I'm going to pray. But you know what my prayer's going to be? Dirty, hairy prayer. you know what dirty, hairy prayer is? Lord, according to your will, make it right. Bring them to you, whatever it takes, so their soul may be salvaged from hell itself. You pray that prayer. God will answer that prayer. It may be someone with a drug addiction that says, I don't have no strength. My, hey, you got the strength. You have the courage God's Word says when they brought someone up, and God's Word was sick, it said the elders of the church pray for them, and their faith healed the person. Not the person who's sick, their faith. And their prayer, and their fervent prayer healed the person. You pray for their healing. Don't stop praying for their healing, because it's all in God's timing, everything. It's in His time, not ours. Yeah, we want to be healed right now. I mean, I just love if I could just do like Jesus, you know, the door and people come in and start touching people, say, you're healed, you're healed, you're healed. And all of them walking out, praising the Lord, that'd be great. But that's in the perfect world. We're not in the perfect world. <laughs> we won't be in the perfect world if that man comes back. Amen? Because <laughs> he is all healing is perfect with him. And one day he'll take us home to glory. And just like the song I wrote, Protect the Scene, there ain't going to be no pain there, folks. Nothing but 100% pure joy. So whatever struggle we go through here is nothing. Nothing compared to what we're receiving glory. And so the Lord just wants us to be faithful, obedient to his word, and minister to folks in the way he had called you to minister them to. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for your special word you've given us today. Hoping hope it encourages each heart here, Father, to be a better disciple to serve you. And, Father, I know that we're all in many ways different in the way we do ministry, Father. But, Father, just feed the fire in that ministry, Father, in our hearts and our souls. And may we become actually just soulmates with you, Lord Jesus. So we may open our souls to you, and you may just influence us to be those Christians you'd have us be, to reach whoever we come against. Father, the enemy, may we love them, Father, the love that you've given us. And pray for them that they may be saved one day. And, Father, just remember to go to the loss with love, as you do, and love the sinner and hate the sin, and to minister to them in, in love and in faith and in endurance, and not give up on them. And we'll be careful to give you all the praise and glory today, Father. For where else could we go but to you, Father, our Lord, Master, and Savior. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.